So we're uh, continuing our series in, in Kings. Um, and as I've been saying, we're, we're looking at Kings as a uh, kind of a manual for a counterculture. Uh, sort of a, a blueprint for how to operate when the culture is becoming increasingly hostile, where the people who have power and influence are increasingly against uh, people of faith. And since we kind of seem to find ourselves in that situation, it's really an appropriate, very relevant um, series. And so today we're going to be talking about a question that we all have, uh, and that is, where is God? What is God doing? This becomes especially pertinent, extremely important when we're in a situation where it seems like God's not doing much, or at least not doing what we want. Um, and it, it's, it's curious to us. We know that God can, or at least we believe that, but then it's, it feels like, but if that's the case, then why is, why is, why are things happening the way that they're happening? And so let's, uh, let's take a look at the text together. And keep that question in mind. Uh, just as a reminder, that we, we skipped over this test text last week. Uh, last week we saw that Elijah was very discouraged. He had just had this amazing experience where God had brought down fire from heaven and burned up an altar and showed that God is God. And yet things didn't work out the way that Elijah expected. He expected that to change the hearts and minds of the people of Israel. He expected immediately to have them overthrown. He expected big things and it didn't happen. Instead, he's on the run for his life. He's gone to uh, Mount Sinai where uh, Moses received the Ten Commandments, and there the word of the Lord came to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been so zealous for Yahweh God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put your servants to death with the sword. I'm it. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Yahweh said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of, of Yahweh, for Yahweh is about to pass by. This is significant because this is a recapitulation. This happened before. When Moses was up on the, on the, uh, the mountain receiving the Ten Commandments, God passed Moses by. You might remember his face shines and his hair goes white. And so when Elijah hears this, he's probably expecting something pretty spectacular. And the spectacular is exactly what he gets going on. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart shattered the rocks before Yahweh, but Yahweh was not in the wind. After the wind, there's an earthquake, but Yahweh's not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there's a fire, but Yahweh's not in the fire. And after the fire came a still, small voice. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. The reason he's pulling this cloak over his face is because now he knows that Yahweh has passed by. Just as Yahweh passed by and made Moses' uh, face bright, uh, Elijah is acknowledging the same thing. And this is what God says to him. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? The second time he asks. Elijah replies, I've been very zealous for Yahweh God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. This may be a familiar uh, text to you. If you've been in church a long time, you've probably uh, heard this story. Uh, if you haven't, it's it's very popular because it, it, we think, we tend to think that it tells us, you know, how to listen to God. Okay? So let's go back um, to that middle section. Uh, what, what we hear is Yahweh's not in the wind. Yahweh's not in the earthquake. Yahweh's not in the fire. Instead, Yahweh is in a still small voice. 
And what you may have heard in the past is, well, we all want to hear from God, right? And what you may have heard is that instead of expecting God to, to speak or communicate with big, powerful gestures, instead we should be expecting God to speak with a still, small voice. And this usually means that what we should do to listen to God is to go someplace quiet. Um, I know that uh, a lot of us uh, who are, well, not us, but a lot of you who like exercising, uh, go, going, on, uh, going on a run can be a time of, of great, um, of, of quiet, a time of listening. And I got the picture of the, the classic, you know, you go out onto the rock overlooking the beauty of God's creation, and you're quiet. You're so, oh, Jeff, you just did that. You went out and saw the beauty of God's creation with your kids and stuff, didn't you? Yes. Didn't you go on like a big hike or something? Mount Whitney, there you go. And then as you were there, you, you know, sent everyone off to the side and said, I'm going to listen. And now God's going to speak to me in a still small voice. That didn't happen. I'm shocked. I'm shocked. It did. Awesome. Um, and that's kind of how we uh, hear this passage talked about. But that's just not what's going on here. Um, we're not, this, is not, this text is not about listening for God. It might be that God does speak to us with a still small voice. Um, I'm not sure. But if that's the case, it's, this is not the text that is talking about that. And I want to show you why. Uh, just notice how it begins. All right. The word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here? Elijah's not having any problems hearing God. Like, he's like, ah, there you are, Lord. And then how does it end? Right. Uh, a voice came. Uh, next slide. A voice said to him. You know, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah's not having an issue hearing from God. Okay, and that's the first thing in your note sheets. Um, this story is not about how God communicates with us. It's about how God does things. Now, I am not saying that you shouldn't go and be quiet and, and practice solitude and listen to the prompting of the Spirit. I think that's a wonderful thing. But that's not what this is. And so the question is, what is it? So let's go back uh, to the text. A great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart. An earthquake. There's a fire. All these things are happening. And, and the question is, is this how God operates? Does God do stuff like this? Does God work through these amazing, powerful, majestic? Does God do fireworks? Right? Well, if you've been following the text, the answer is obviously yes. Just last chapter, God did literally bring down fire. God does big things. Now, that just doesn't necessarily mean that God's in all the big things all the time. And as a dispensational church, we, we don't, um, there are some churches where, uh, you've, you've seen the, the videos of people, um, speaking in tongues. Uh, it's pretty wild. I went to a Pentecostal church, uh, a couple times in college and it freaked me out. Like the, everyone was going, I was like, ah, I don't know what to do with this. Um, because they were expecting God to move in these really big, powerful, expansive ways. I, I, I believe God still does that. It probably doesn't look uh, like wind and fire and earthquakes uh, from our perspective. But God does do big, wild, crazy things. Here's proof. Here's uh, Billy Graham, young Billy Graham. Uh, if you don't know, Billy Graham was an incredible evangelist. He, he was an amazing guy, too. He, he totally stayed out of... Anything except for preaching the gospel. He didn't comment on politics. He didn't comment on whatever the moral issue of the, all he did 
was preached the gospel. And man, it was effective. Here's a couple of pictures of some of his revivals. On the, on the left is 1956 Yankee Stadium. Now, now notice that Yankee Stadium is not, the people aren't just in the stands. They're like filling the outfield. Um, and to the right is his greatest, his, or at least his largest, um, revival of, of, of all time. It was in Seoul, South Korea in 1973. You can't see it, but they estimate that 1.1 million people attended. Now that's fire. That's a wind. That's an earthquake. That's, that's earth shaking. I mean, Billy Graham was responsible for probably what, I mean, historians, if they look back, they should probably, my dad used to say this, we should think of his ministry in that time in the 60s and 70s and 80s as the third great awakening of, of Christianity in America. To say nothing of Seoul, South Korea. You know, Seoul, South Korea, after the Korean War, uh, and partially due to missionary efforts like this, Seoul, South Korea is one of the most Christian countries in East Asia. And so, despite the fact that we might not always see big fireworks and explosions, that doesn't change the fact that God brings the fire. He still does. It just might look not like, literally, instead, it might look like 1.1 million South Koreans hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ for the first time. So what then are we to make of this still small voice? Going back to the text there, um, I, I, I use the, the, the language of still small voice. That's the, the classic King James Version, uh, New King James Version of, um, of this Hebrew phrase. It's, it's very difficult to translate. Um, it's, uh, the Hebrew is kol demama dhar. And the, the, uh, the, the first, the first and last word, they make a lot of sense. They're pretty obvious. Like, uh, the first word, kol, is like, it's just voice or whisper. And so if you look at the New International Version, I think it says a gentle whisper, uh, is the way that they translate. Um, the Hebrew for the, the last word is, uh, it, it literally, it's just the most common way it's, it, it, it describes the width of a hair. So it, it means thin, hair thin. So that's a little bit odd to think about a whisper or a voice that's hair thin. And so I, I, I can see why you would get maybe gentle, maybe you would get uh, still. But it's that middle word, demama, that is really confusing. And that's because it literally means the cessation of, it means like calm or the cessation of wind. Like calm or wind stopping. So you have... A hair-thin whisper that's like wind-stopping. What does that mean? Well, I know I'm getting old because um, I uh, don't listen to loud music in my car anymore. I remember being, you know, like in my 20s and being thinking my dad was such a loser. I was like, Dad, why would, you know, why don't you... He, he just didn't listen to music unless it was musicals, Neil Diamond, or The Beatles. That was it. He had, a, he had a short phase of, of country music. Thank God that passed. Um, and he, he just, he, and even when he did listen to music, it was always kind of like softly. And I was like, let's rock. You know, like smells like teen spirit, man. And he just didn't get it. He just didn't get it. And so when I finally was able to drive, I remember I would, I would put my windows down and crank up the stereo to like ear bleedingly loud. 
And part of that was because I like loud music, and part of it was because I felt bad for the people who were sitting next to me at the stoplight because their music taste wasn't as good as mine. So I wanted to share with them, you know, what real music sounded like. And I don't know when it happened, but at some point, I stopped lowering my windows, or in the case of my, my convertible, I stopped, you know, keeping the, the, the top down. And I was like, oh, that's weird. I wonder why that is. Maybe I just don't like the wind in my face anywhere. I don't know. And then the, the craziest thing has happened. Over the last, like, five years, I will take extensive car rides and listen to nothing, which is weird. I won't listen to a, a, a thing. I'll just, like, I'm just going to read my phone while I'm driving. It's more interesting. No. It's true. I'm not, I, I know I'm going to die in a car accident. I don't do it when the kids are in the car, for Aaron's sake. But all the rest of the time, I'm like, ooh, the news, awesome. Read a book, it's great. Unfortunately, uh, my son Soren has discovered the joy of putting uh, the window down. So I have a picture here. It's not of him, but it's the kind of thing he does. So he sits in the back in his, like, special chair, whatever it is. And he loves to put the window down and put his hand out, put his head out. Like, he stands up in his seat. I'm like, oh, my gosh, sit down, kid. You're going to die. And, he's, and he loves the, the wind in his face. But the problem is he, he's the only one with his window down. And so it causes this weird, like, thump, 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 thump. do you know what I'm talking about? Have you heard this? I don't know what the deal, it's like has something to do with like you have to put down multiple windows, but it's like, boom, 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 boom. so if, uh, if, if, Al, and I'm fine, like, I'm like, as long as he's not crying, I call it a win, I'll take it. But Alice and Olivia, they hate it. They're like, daddy, it hurts my ears. And so I have come to my, my all time favorite sound in my life right now is when I put the child safety lock on so he can't control it and I pull his window up and it goes, I love that it's, and suddenly it's like peace. Ah, oh, this is glorious. I mean, that's obviously not going to last because uh, none of those children have any self-control. Um, but for that one sweet, glorious moment, that is the sound of de mama. It's, and you can see it literally if you watch a window close. It, there's like this, it, this moment, it's hair thin. Right? It's hair thin, and then the sound stops. That's the next thing you're noticing. The still small voice is actually something like a hair thin, like whisper. Why is that important? And what does that mean? What does it mean to say that what Elijah hears is. And what does it mean that that's the moment where he's like, now I know where Yahweh is. Let's look at um, what happens after this. As soon as, as soon as Elijah hears it, he immediately puts, remember, he puts the cloak over his faith. He goes out um, of his cave and then the Lord speaks to him. Telling him, hey, uh, you know, why are you here? And that's when Elijah is complaining, I'm the only one left. This is now God responding to him. Yahweh said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. And when you get there, anoint Hazael king over Aram. 
Also, anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king of Israel, and anoint Elisha, the son of Shaphat, from Abel, Mehlah, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Hazael, and Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and whose mouths have not kissed him. Elijah wanted more fire, right? We all do. Who doesn't want the next Billy Graham to come and and just have millions of people come to faith and transform their lives and be baptized and repent? Who doesn't want someone like that to come and just, you know, speak the words the way that they need to be spoken so that, that hundreds and thousands and millions receive eternal life and give up the wages of sin, which are death? I have a, uh, a short clip I think that will help um, explain the let me try with you hold this hold this hold this alright ready name a number from, from make it bigger though because his was too hard it was like alright 13 alright 1, 2, 3 plus 10, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 see it's as soon as you connect it that's when it happens see where's the card See what I'm saying? They switch it from hand to hand. That's what it is. Here, look. Check it out. Watch like this. Ready? Look. Look, look. Watch. Watch this. Just watch this move. Look. No, no. Look, look, look. Watch. Look, look, look. Here's the switch, right? It's right here, right? All right. See that? That's the move, right? Yo, I'm going to give you something. Hold this. I got something for you, man. I got a little, here, a little treat, like a present for you. Oh! He didn't follow it. Uh, that's David Blaine on the street magic. And, you know, he, he's like, they, they, they're all expecting like this really cool trick. And, and the, the trick is, is silly. He just like makes two cards switch places. And they're kind of like, okay, I guess that's cool. Uh, and then, then he, he shows, uh, he turns the top card into a different card. And they're kind of like, eh, all right. And then he reveals that sometime during that experience, he has literally taken a man's wristwatch off. And put it in his pocket, and now he's giving it back. Our attention is like on, like, man, we want this. We want the earthquake, the wind, the fire. That's what we desperately want. And and we're crying out. We're like, God, the culture is, is falling apart around us. We're, we're, we don't even understand, uh, why we're being so attacked. Like, what, what is going on? Can you, can you please do something? Elijah's like, I, they're trying to kill me. Everyone's gone over to Baal. I'm the last one left. I just honestly kind of want to die. I, I just, where, where's the fire? And God says, while, while you were looking for fire, I, I've been out doing all these things that you can't see. You're looking for fire. Well, I've been preparing Hazael. I've been preparing Jehu. I've even got a replacement for you, Elisha. While you've been looking for some thing, I, 
And now for the first time, Elijah, you're, you're listening to the sound of silence. You're listening to what, now you're recognizing that something's going on deeply behind the scenes that you can't see, you can't hear, and yet it is going to reveal the future and the future is going to be good. There is a turnaround, there is a comeback, there is hope. You just haven't been looking for it and you haven't been able to hear it. Because it doesn't make any sounds. And I think that demonstrates a principle about how God operates. And that is this. God is most at work. This is the next thing in your note sheets. When we can't hear or see God at work. We want the big bang. And we're always looking for it. But, there's some, but we're missing what God is actually up to. And that's when God is putting together behind the scenes something truly incredible. Something that is going to bear fruit. Maybe not now, maybe decades from now, but it is going to be fruitful. It is going to be good. It is going to be right. If you don't believe me, think about this. When God gives the greatest gift to the world, where does it happen? Is it at Disneyland with the fireworks? Is it the son of the king? No. It's two peasants in a hole with nothing. Jesus, the Messiah, does not come in fire. Everybody missed it. The Roman Empire missed it. The religious elites missed it until they started threatening them. But it was quiet behind the scenes. But then think about this. God's not done with Jesus. Yes, Jesus comes in a whisper. But man, when finally the whisper has ended and they've nailed him to the cross and he breathes his last and he's buried in the tomb on the third day, man, there's fire. Jesus rises in glory and in power. Pentecost comes and the church is empowered with that same resurrection power. The fire is still there. It just looks different. It doesn't look like what we expected. The next thing, the last thing in your note sheets. Jesus Christ came like the thin whisper of wind stopping, but he rose to life like fire. And maybe that's what's happening here in your life. Maybe Jesus is coming to you in your situation and you're like, and you want, maybe the is first and the comes later. Which brings up some questions, and I, I, I want us to, to take this away, because especially, again, remember, this is a manual for resistance. Kings is how do you create a counterculture when, when things are, when, thing, when, the, when it seems like the, the, the world is pressing down on the church and the people of God are being alienated. So here's a couple of questions to ask about the God of fire, the God of whispers. What fire from heaven have you seen in your life? When did God show up in a mighty way? It might not have been Billy Graham, but I can tell you this, for my dad it was. My dad was an atheist, a secularist, and things weren't working out very well for him. 
1985, 86, I can't remember exactly, um, our neighbor Glenn Eichler took him to uh, the Billy Graham crusade. And at that moment, he, he changed, his life changed forever. He received the gospel, and suddenly a guy who was 40 years old who just did, couldn't, you know, didn't think a whole lot about God, God became the center of his life. And that legacy has been passed on to me, and I hope to pass it on to my children. The fire from heaven, I was four or five years old when it happened, and I wasn't even there to see it. Another question, when have you seen, uh, realized that God was working in the, in the whisper, in the demama? I don't know uh, about you, but I've told this story before. Um, I remember there was a time when we were, uh, Aaron and I were in some pretty bad financial uh, straits. She was um, commuting from, from Rancho Santa Margarita up to West Covina to teach uh, junior high school. And she was desperate to get a job down here. And uh, it was the craziest thing. Um, she ended up getting an email randomly from someone in Kappa Unified uh, asking her to apply for a, a job down here. And I'm like, what? Okay, who is this person and how do we know them? She got that job and it put her on her trajectory to be an amazing professional um, in uh, moderate to severe autism classrooms primarily and then IEPs later. But it was only years later that I found out that behind the scenes, um, a friend... Eric Paulson, who's sitting right there, had pulled some strings and put her name into somebody's ear. We never knew. We had no idea. And yet, behind the scenes, it was happening. Number three. Are you dependent on fireworks in your faith, or are you content to let God work in the stopping wind? So many people... um, what we really want is uh, just the next spiritual high, you know, like the, it, it, it would, like going to Forest Home every week for your entire life so that you're constantly in a state of like religious enthusiasm, excitement, seeing God do this, seeing God do that. And then at a certain point, you're like, oh, what if, what if the fireworks don't keep coming? What if something stops? What, what if, what if? Does that mean God stops? Or are you content to recognize that God is most often at work in the background, things you don't see at all? And this is the last and most important for this series. Do you trust that even when things look really bad, like Elijah did, that God's still on the move? Remember, Elijah was ready to die under a tree because he was so lonely, so isolated, so hopeless. And he had no idea that the entire time... God was setting up new kings for Israel, a new prophet that God was holding back 7,000 people who were never going to bend the knee to the enemy. He had no idea. And it wasn't until that he realized it. I don't know how bad it's looking for you. But I can tell you this. God is faithful. And behind the scenes, something incredible is happening. Let's pray. Gracious God and Father, we know that you are the God of the wind, the earthquake, and the fire. But God, help us to trust and to see that you're also in the whisper, in the stopping of the wind, in the silence. That you're at work behind the scenes, 
and that you've shown us that in Jesus who came in a whisper and rose in fire. God, may we dedicate our lives again today to following him, to letting our Savior lead us. Let him lead us in the quiet. Let him lead us in the fireworks. But let us follow him and know that the good you have before us is better than we can imagine. Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen.